The only other thing I can say is that for like about three or four weeks, my life completely fell apart. <laughs> so I was in the hospital. Uh, there were things that weren't working, had problems with vehicles, appliances, even just light bulbs going out weirdly. So that, that went on for like a three week period afterwards. So uh, take what you will from that. Hey everybody, welcome back to Wicked Garden Podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and on the line with me tonight is Witness G. Hey, G. How you doing, everybody? So, tonight we're going to talk uh, about mirrors. Uh, I think humans have been fascinated since we jumped down out of the trees and looked into some still water and saw our own reflection. There's lots of stuff on mirrors that we can talk about. And we've even got a special treat. We're going to do a couple mirror rituals ourselves and record that and put the highlights on for you. But before we get to that, let's take care of some business. If you have a haunting, a cryptid sighting, any kind of story that you'd like to tell us, we'd love to hear it. Please reach out to us. Our email is wickedgardenpodcast at gmail.com. And then also our hotline number is on the cover art. You can record a message on there. We'll get back to you and we'd love to have you on the show. Uh, so tonight we're talking about mirrors and before I do that too, I wanted to talk a little bit about a listener of the show who started her own podcast and, uh, I'd love you guys to go over and support her too as well. It's, uh, Rachel, uh, who's going to be on the show eventually when I edit that interview and her name's Rachel Collins and she's calling her podcast dirty Jersey. So you'll be able to go on there. It's more along the lines of what's wrong with the state, which you know, if she does that between now and when she retires, she could probably get half of it, uh, you know, laid out. Yes. But good. she's doing. A lot to cover right there. <laughs> yeah. So I've listened to the first three episodes. There's three episodes out there and they're all very good. So go over and support Dirty Jersey and support Rachel. So tonight, mirrors. Like I said, since humans have, you know, first jumped out of the trees and saw our reflection in still water, we've been fascinated with mirrors and our own reflection. So we'll go into a little bit of brief, you know, history of mirrors. You know, that's where it starts. Uh, we see our reflection in still water. And I would imagine that was some kind of other dimension or some other kind of being. And then quickly figured out that once it moved and they moved, you know, that it was their reflection. But moving that forward from that first moment, one of the first mirrors that was produced was out of what they call obsidian, which was volcanic glass. Mm -hmm. And it was very brittle was black very dark black very brittle actually was used for arrowheads i believe too it definitely was um yeah but they used to take this obsidian this um, volcanic glass and they would polish it to a very high level and they would get that reflective quality so they were using those um and then we move forward and the egyptians and the chinese figure out that you can really highly polish metals some bronzes, some silver, some golds, uh, some coppers. When you polish those up, you can actually make a mirror as well. Moving even forward a little bit more, in Venice, they figure out that you can take glass after the, you know, the production of glass starts. They can take glass and they can actually put a metal on the back of the glass and create a mirror. So they were using, you know, a liquid metal type material and they were making mirrors that way so that's kind of the history of it but i found it interesting because mirrors were very valuable and those mirrors that were produced in italy and in venice at the outset were incredibly expensive yeah that was definitely to the like, point it was a class object like you couldn't you yeah. didn't own a mirror unless you were extremely wealthy exactly and some of those mirrors cost as much as the ships <laughs> that were built in some of the ports 
That's how expensive these mirrors were. And actually, one of the mirrors that we're going to talk about tonight has a really interesting history in it of some piracy too and and things of that nature. But kind of out of that expense on how much it costs to, you know, manufacture and buy a mirror comes some of the superstitions that were involved with it. So an early Roman superstition was, you know, and it still carries on to this day. I, I think it's the first one that I heard about was if you break a mirror, you're looking at seven years bad luck. Mm-hmm. And what that really was, was it was the rich people kind of trying to keep the peasants in line when they were handling their mirrors <laughs> and, you know, telling them, look, if you, if you drop this thing and you break it, it's on you and it's seven years bad luck. Now, luckily for us, if you do break a mirror and it's seven years bad luck, it seems like another superstition is all you need to do is just bury the pieces so they, they don't reflect any light and you can restore your luck. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. There's, I, I noticed when I was doing my research, there was a lot of old guidelines and rules for handling mirrors. And they were usually, to my surprise, covered up when not being used, which I thought was uh, a little bit spooky. Yeah, that is pretty spooky, right? Yeah. I mean, we've all probably yeah. seen like one of those tall Florida ceiling, five or six foot, you know, antique mirrors. That's just spooky. I don't know. I don't know if that's just a me thing or what, but mirrors have freaked me out since I was a kid. Yeah, and those antique ones, too, the silvering on the back of them was so bad that over time, you know, you would see different imperfections in it. And it would, you know, if you were at a different angle, you would see, you know, pareidolia would kick in and you would see a face. Definitely. Yeah, that happened a lot. So talking about mirrors, one of the Greek mythologies that were out there was Narcissus. So we can talk a little bit about him. Uh, Narcissus was a really good looking guy. And he used to spurn all the women that were after him. And uh, what eventually happens to Narcissus is that he sees his own reflection in a pool of water and he winds up falling in love with himself and he drowns. (laughs) So he's in the woods and, you know, he's one of the people that was after him was the mountain nymph and her name was Echo. And Echo's problem was that she couldn't say anything directly. She had to echo everything that everybody else said. So she's actually having a conversation with him. And in the middle of that conversation, I would tell you guys to go take a look at it. It's actually pretty funny. He actually falls into a a pool of water and he drowns himself. So even back in Greek mythology, they were talking about reflections and mirrors. Yeah, that's actually something that I didn't know I came across was that humans and only like a certain species of ape will actually look at a mirror and continue to look into it like time after time. Because most animals, once they realize their reflection is them, they'll never look, they'll never look at the mirror again. They'll never look at themselves. Like, I don't know if you've noticed dogs, but usually once they have that, like, self-awareness, they'll just stop looking into a mirror. Same with cats. How about that? But certain apes will, like, totally just become enamored with it, and they'll just stare at their reflection for hours. There's videos you can see about chimps doing it, but that's, that's about it. I think elephants, they may be a little inclined to look at it longer than other animals, but that's it. Most have, as soon as they have that self-awareness, they're done looking at it. Yeah. That's crazy. I did not know that. You know, one, one of the other, if we're talking about mirrors in history, one of the other things that I came across when I was doing my research that I thought was interesting was Mesoamerican cosmology how they deal with mirrors. This was really interesting, and I like this because this ties into a lot of stuff we talk about on the show. The Aztecs believed that there were deities, and there was a group that they called the ancestors. So the ancestors are not how you would think of, like, you know, your great-great-great-great-grandfather or whatever. The ancestors were a whole class of people that were separate from humans. So if you think about that, that's sort of kind of, you know, like they're sort of kind of human, but they're not. And I found that interesting, especially with what you and I were talking about this week when we talk about, you know, we were talking about the Predator movies and, you know, the engineers that are in the Predator movies, how they're sort of kind of like a a separate little class amongst themselves. So that was the thought process. There were deities and there were ancestors and then the humans were eventually going to be created. So the deities who were the gods and the ancestors like heaven and earth were very close together and the beings that were in heaven and the beings that were on earth had a lot of the same abilities. So, you know, deities could talk to animals and so could the ancestors. That was what they believed. So there was a lot of special powers that ancestors and deities shared. 
So what happened was the deities got very jealous of the ancestors and humans who weren't created yet, they kind of thought, all right, well, these humans are going to come in and are we going to give them the same powers too? And, you know, what makes us special if we don't have special powers? So what they did was they put like a veil on the ancestor site and also on human site. So it's almost like breath on a mirror. If you could think of that misty breath on a mirror, you can't, you can see the, the reflection, but you can't quite see things clearly. Yeah. So the deities would be able to see for miles. They would be able to predict the future and see what was going on. They could talk to animals. They could do all that other good stuff. And when they got jealous and they cast this mist on the mirror for ancestors and humans, it sort of kind of made it tougher for us to compete with deities. And, you know, that kind of put a bigger separation in. So that's what the Aztecs believed. Uh, one of the ways that we could get those powers back was there were certain humans who were born and were able to, they were a little bit more sensitive. They were able to divine and they were able to, you know, they had ESP and they could, you know, they had a, a better feel for things, almost like deities did. So the mist that they tried to put on the mirror didn't completely cover everybody. So one of the things that those shamans could do, because they were trained as shamans, was they could use these black obsidian mirrors to divine and scry and see the future and see the past and, you know, kind of see through that mist that was on the mirror. And I love that because that's we talk about that t type of stuff all the time. We talk about how our you know, senses aren't the best, Yep. right? That's kind of why we can't see everything that's going on. So these deities were able to see all this life and, you know, they were able to hear the flowers growing and stuff like that. And we weren't able to, and through these obsidian mirrors and shamanistic training, we're able to be almost like deities. Yeah. I mean, if that doesn't reflect a lot of what modern parapsychology thinking is, it, you know, I don't know what does. Yeah, it's literally looking so, through one of these mirrors was like looking through the veil. Yeah. So it was great. And when I read that, I, I really liked that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of these other superstitions that come along with mirrors. You mentioned that one of the things that happens is when someone dies, you're supposed to cover all the mirrors. Yeah. So you put a cloth over top of these mirrors and the thought process being that, at least this is what I read, maybe you read something different, but the thought process being that their spirit could get trapped in the mirror that's, and not be able to pass over to the other side. That's exactly what I came across. Yeah. Nothing really further or deeper than that, mm -hmm. but just, I, I think a lot of, it's just become popular over, you know, basically centuries and millennia that, you know, mirrors are gateway to other worlds and other dimensions. And people thought that right. if a relative or friend was freshly deceased, that that was the first step was to cover up mirrors so they'd accidentally transcend into the wrong realm yeah and you see this a lot in judaism that's where i remember it from when i was a kid like you know you went to a jewish person's house you know the mirrors would be covered up after somebody died where it stems from why do you cover the mirrors in your house for some of our younger listeners is because most times the wake was held in your house so if your grandmother died or your dad died or your mom died or a member of the family that lived in the home that's where the wake was so the thought process was you covered it from the time of death until they were in the ground and the last prayer was said, and then you could uncover the mirrors. Mm -hmm. um, another of those superstitions was that because, you know, their, their spirit could get stuck in there in the mirror that, you know, if you didn't cover them, you would eventually be looking in the mirror, see their reflection, and they could kind of come into your body and possess you to finish some of their unfinished business here on earth. That was another one. Yeah, I, I did see a lot about that and about possession in general from mirrors, but I didn't know the uh, deceased relative could come back out of that mirror. Yeah, that was That's interesting. Also when I pretty read spooky. It. Yeah. Now, this one I didn't know. You're not supposed to sleep in a room with a mirror because you will be restless. Did you read any of that when you were talking when you were looking into it? No, I didn't. But now that you said it, I definitely have heard that. I've heard that over the years because. In dreams, your spirit kind of leaves your body a little bit, like you have an out-of-body experience, and it can't go where it needs to go. It'll bounce back and forth between the mirror and you, mirror and you, and you'll be restless, and you won't get a good night's sleep. Huh. So nothing horrible, <laughs> right? You're just really tired in the morning. So it's best to sleep in a room without a mirror. And I was thinking about it tonight. We don't have one in ours. Yeah, I don't have um, one in mine. Either. I have one. Yeah, I have one in there now because it's displaced. And, you know, 
I, I think I sleep pretty good, but who knows? I'll take it out and try. You're covered up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So that was another one. Um, this one was interesting. You're not supposed to take a newborn baby up until a year old and have it see its reflection. I see that? Did you I, run I across I that one? Come across that either? Yeah, you're you're not supposed to take a newborn up until the time it's a year old and, and uh, have it see its reflection in the mirror. It could harm it. It doesn't explain it any further than that. That's just that's just what the uh, superstition is. Another one. This one was pretty good. You are not supposed to do Ouija in a room with a mirror because it creates a portal and creates a space for that spirit that comes through when you're doing Ouija to inhabit and you can't close the door. You know how you close out a Ouija session? Yeah, you wouldn't be able to close it out. He'd be able to like hightail it to the mirror and then, you know, screw you. And then you have like a, a B-horror movie yeah. on your hands. <laughs> so that was another one. Uh, let's see here. And then we're talking about, oh, here we go. A mirror falls on its own in the house. Okay. Nobody's around. It just falls on its own. That means that somebody's going to die in your household. Oh man. Yeah. I had never heard that one, but yeah, that's supposedly the lure behind it. And that was pretty much all the scary superstitions I came across. Did you come across any of them? Not as far as superstitions. That was about it. But that's interesting about the, uh, you know, you would have a death in the family. Because I'm over here in earthquake country. That's usually what you hear about breaking <laughs> on it ruin is mirrors. But uh, <laughs> That's true, right? I'm slightly paranoid about that now. But yeah, as far yeah. as superstitions, many- no. Nah, but um, if you want to go a little bit further, I mean, just there's always been magic associated with mirrors. They've always been like occult objects. I found out what we equate to the crystal ball was usually something called a scrying mirror. Sometimes it was a crystal ball, but um, it sort of transformed into the crystal ball motif that we have nowadays with fortune telling. Okay. But originally it was classically a scrying mirror, which is just a black backed mirror where you can't see yeah. a reflection right. as much as, you know, a flat plane that's sort of reflective. And uh, But interesting that it's very close to those obsidian mirrors from what, from me. Antipathy, yeah, right? yeah, very similar. And there's plenty of YouTube videos of women who are, quote, Wiccan, unquote, who are teaching you how to make a black mirror. <laughs> yeah, so the scrying, that goes back to the ancient Greece as well. Then there was sort of a renaissance of it in the 15, 1600s, and then again in the 1800s in England. And, you yeah. know, kind of died yeah. off with, you know, the Victorian occult. And now, literally, just in the past uh, couple years, psilocybin uses up almost 400% from last year and that's over 800 percent from the year prior due to covid a lot of people have been doing a lot of mushrooms <laughs> that's and apparently something that's becoming popular scrying is coming back it's making a comeback because these people are eating oh, mushrooms wow. yeah. and then scrying so i guess that what it's supposed to be is you're looking at this flat semi-reflective surface and obviously whether you've eaten hallucinogenics or not over time your subconscious is supposed to start showing you images so there was one other one I forgot too. Is you know if you if you look into a mirror by candlelight, you may see a deceased loved one. That was another one I ran across, and that probably leads into the biggest one that I remember from when I was a kid, which is Bloody Mary. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, popular. Did you guys? Yeah, yeah we did. It, okay, I remember being terrified a few times because of Bloody Mary, and I think probably was at the same time when I was getting into this stuff, and when I was hearing about the urban legends, High Strangers was really piquing my interest as a kid. Was about the same time the movie Candyman came out. Okay, yeah, I don't know if you remember that, but that movie between the urban legend of Bloody Mary and that movie Candyman, I was shook about mirrors. The original one, yeah. yeah. The original movies were great. Yeah. Yeah. He's a British author. I can't remember the name of the guy, but they were, they were great books. Actually got into them. I think Stephen King recommended reading his books. And I got into them. I read them, and then I also saw the movies. They were great. But yeah, Bloody Mary. Um, So, you know, where does this Bloody Mary ritual come from? If you look it up online, there's like three different possibilities of where it came from. I liked two of them because um, the one was about Mary Queen of Scots, Mary Tudor. Yep. Uh, It was about her because she persecuted so many Protestants who would not convert to Catholicism. So, and she was very pale, you know, so a lot of people attribute it to her, which you're supposed to say is Mary Worth, Mary Worth. Um, So that's not Mary Tudor. And then the other one is, Somebody we talked about a couple shows ago, Elizabeth Bathory. Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, a lot of people associate her with the legend. And, you know, she was the original crazy female serial killer that killed so many young girls. She killed over 600 young women. And she would do all kinds of things to them, drink their blood, bathe in their blood, keep their bodies around. Uh, you know, if there was another woman around that was prettier than her, she would have them killed. Yeah, this isn't an urban um, legend. This, she is, was a, this is factual Oh, no, history. this is real. Yeah, I mean, she's the first female serial killer in the Caribbean. She was absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. So uh, it's attributed to her. It's attributed to Mary Tudor. And then there's also a story that's just made up that there was this beautiful girl who was infatuated with herself, was always looking into mirrors, and uh, she gets in a horrible accident. Uh, The family doesn't want to show her reflection to her. Uh, And then finally, one day, she goes somewhere and she actually sees it and she freaks out and goes crazy and kills herself. Yeah. So that's the other. But the, the ritual is basically you say, Bloody Mary three times into, you know, you're in the bathroom with a candle and you're looking in this dim mirror and you say Bloody Mary three times and you turn on the light and she's supposed to be there uh, or come through the mirror and get you. That's about it, right? Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> it does sound silly when, you know, we say it just like that, but I mean, man, I was, I just remember being terrified about it when I was oh, a kid. God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's terrifying stuff for young kids. A great game for a slumber party. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly how it would come up. It'd usually be a party and, you know, it'd be a dare situation. Like, I dare you to go do the Bloody Mary thing. You'd have to do it because <laughs> you didn't want to be a yeah. punk, you know what I mean? But is there anything to this, you know, mirrors having special powers, right? So is there anything scientific to it? Well, there is. And you come forward a little bit. We won't go all the way through to today, and we'll save that for, you know, a couple minutes here. But I looked into Kazarev's mirror experiments in the 90s in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> these, these, did you see yeah, that I when did. you were looking it up? Okay. That was crazy. Um, and it's supposedly true and supposedly semi-documented. And supposedly a lot of the information is still classified. But he was a scientist. Uh, he was working in um, one of their little cities that they have out there in Siberia that, you know, they do a lot of their experiments in. And he was experimenting with people. And what he did was he he took a, it almost looks like one of those European bathrooms you see out on the street where you kind of walk in um, and you go around and then eventually you get to like a urinal. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's almost like a, like a rolled up piece of metal that you can actually stand in. Um, and it had, you know, a lid on top, but the whole surface on the inside was reflective and there was a little door to get in, uh, which was also reflective. And he would put people in there that were supposedly gifted. So they, you know, maybe they had already like a little bit of like, you know, yeah, some sort of ESP. Yeah. yeah what's that other uh, remote drawing or remote viewing? Yeah. They, ha- they had that ability. And from being in this room, it would sharpen that ability. So for whatever reason, when they tested them outside of that mirrored room or, you know, a mirrored rolled up space, they didn't test as well as when they tested inside of it. So it would increase their powers, their ability to remote view, their ability to pass information to somebody remotely, um, which they experimented with. It was pretty cool, man. Yeah. It also distorted time for them. So a lot of people would go in and they would think that they were in there for five or 10 minutes only to come out and realize that they were in there for an hour. Oh, that's weird. It was insane. So there's this whole time dilation. There's this whole maybe reflecting certain types of radiation back in on themselves. But a lot of people will come out of it feeling sick. So if you went in, you had to be in really good health. So a lot of people came out with headaches, didn't feel well afterwards, but this is really good stuff. So if you guys get a chance, uh, go look into it a little bit more. His name was Kazarev and it was K-O-Z-Y-R-E-V-S. Kazarev's mirror experiments and they were conducted in the nineties and supposedly are getting, you know, redone today by different governments. Let's put it that way. So if, <laughs> at least that's the rumor. Yeah. So I thought it was really interesting. Well, there's a lot of conspiracy theories uh, as far as remote viewing in general, but you know, the use of mirrors is an amplifier for it. I've, 
I've never really heard of. But there's no yeah. shortage of... It was a first for me. Yeah, the time manipulation I definitely come across in my research. And not just not just as far as, you know, Russia in the 90s, but right now today, right. here, you know, it, there's actual scientific journals and universities doing studies on time manipulation through mirrors, which I wish I could explain to the audience, but I'm not even attempting to. <laughs> uh, we, we kind of well, both came across that and just decided we're not going to do this because... Uh, <laughs> We'll just let, if, if the yeah, listeners I mean, interested, they can do their own research on that. I wish I could explain time. Yeah, there's videos, and we they can probably explain it in more detail. And maybe if you're, you know, studying physics, you, you get it a little bit more than we do. But the bottom line is, the theory is that through wormholes, you'd be able to travel through time. The problem is wormholes collapse. So under a very precise set of circumstances, and when I say precise set of circumstances... Number one, this has to be inside a vacuum. There cannot be an outside electromagnetic field, okay? So I guess that's a Faraday cage, (laughs) right? So inside a vacuum, inside a Faraday cage, if you were to focus these photons is what they're saying they are, I guess. But it's it's a very specific set of circumstances. You take these mirrors and they have to be very close to each other and you can hold open a wormhole. Yeah. And the effect is called the Casimir effect. And basically what it can do is it theoretically could allow us to travel back in time. I don't understand why you can't travel forward in time, but I think that has to do with something with light too as well. But you theoretically could travel back in time. And actually, every time you look at a mirror, you're actually traveling back in time because it takes a little bit of time for the light to reflect off you and reflect on that mirror, right? So it's like mm-hmm. one billionth of a second. So when you're looking in the mirror, you're looking back one billionth of a second anyway. So that tells you that there is definitely something special about mirrors. Yeah. And the fact that people sense this all the way back, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, well, there was a guy named John D who was the court astrologist for Queen Yeah, this Elizabeth is a great story. This is the story I was talking about that kind of gets tied up with piracy. Yeah, it's interesting because you've already talked about the uh, polished volcanic glass mirrors from the Aztec Empire. Again, it's polished obsidian. And one thing that's kind of wild is that this guy, John D., who was the court astrologist for Queen Elizabeth I, was also highly into the occult and alchemy and was not reserved about it at all. He was, uh, the right. queen was highly interested in it as well, and they sort of uh, went on their own little journeys and had uh, entire teams that would look into this occult angle of certain things. And he had, I guess, a collection of quite a few trinkets, and he actually made his living selling tools to help navigate nautically. So a lot of things okay. that made the British Navy huge back then was the, the ability to navigate the seas for one thing. He was big on that so already you have mirrors being used in compasses different ways to navigate especially with the stars but you know this the guy's very interesting if you want to look up pretty wild character definitely look up this john d and it's d is in like d-e-e i think he was maybe later knighted so i think he became a sir john d at a certain point i'm not 100 yeah. percent sure yeah, he about got that. knighted he did yeah he got knighted yep and what's interesting that that obsidian mirror that he had well, he had like a bunch of trinkets that he was known for. And like he did have a small crystal ball, but he was known for these golden discs and specifically this obsidian mirror, a singular obsidian mirror. And what I thought was the whole way he got a hold of it. Yeah. Right. Like, so how it falls into his lap in the beginning is pretty amazing. Cortez was the one who had it. And when Cortez put it on a ship to come across to Spain, that ship was attacked. <laughs> And it was attacked by a French pirate. The French pirate takes the obsidian mirror and he goes back to France with it. The English ambassador to France at that time, he gets it as a gift because France doesn't know what to do with yeah. it. Right. So they're like, oh, you, you guys are into this ghost stuff right now. So here you, you know, and they get a chance to give him this, this really nice gift. And at the same time, he, they get the credit for that and they get this thing out of their hands. And then that diplomat, he doesn't know what to do with it. He doesn't want it. So he, he knows that John D handles all these, you know, strange navigation tools like you were saying and all that other good stuff. And he gives it to John D and John D turns it into pretty much a, a night knighthood. Yeah. 
that's exactly what I came across too. I just want to make sure we are on the same page because it's a crazy story. Yeah. And there was really, yeah. up till recent times, no way to verify that. So we just talked yeah. about the Aztec lore and this mirror was probably Aztec is what a lot of people have speculated for years. Cause I mean, it had been on display in the British history museum forever. Because John D was alive in the 1600s, <laughs> so you got to think, of, right. you know, right. how this mirror traveled to be in the museum. But it was, it was like yeah. the one thing that stuck out. They had this collection there, all his trinkets and everything, and one of those things were not quite like the others, and it was that black mirror. And a lot of people had <laughs> speculated because it looks a lot like mine and Aztec artifacts because they polished obsidian mirrors, and it looked very similar yep. to that. And a lot of people thought, you know, this has to be. There's something to that story. Maybe it's not made up. Yeah. Maybe this. Was truly is an Aztec mirror. So, yeah, and it was. It was part of Cortez's treasure. And the museum, they bought the mirror in the 1800s. So, like I said, they've had it for a pretty long time. But researchers, actually, they used X-ray fluorescent scanners to basically source the obsidian used in the mirror. And I guess it gives off some sort of a signature, which, you know, they, they did use other random pieces of obsidian and other known Aztec mirrors. And they basically sourced it to what's now Mexico City. Oh, how cool. So they did verify that it was indeed from there. Yeah, that, that chain of evidence is amazing. How he winds up with this thing, right? And how he influences a royal with it. Yeah. And how he works it into a knighthood. Yeah, can't beat that, man. Guy really knew how to take it and put it to his advantage. Yeah, and I guess he had a friend named Edward Kelly that was his psychic medium that he used. And he would have this guy, Kelly, look into that thing for hours and would transcribe whatever he saw. So the writings from this guy have been huge in modern occult stuff. It was huge with Aleister Crowley. They came up with a lot of wild theories. Yeah, that is crazy, man. You know, mirrors are just mirrors are just creepy. Period. They right? are. Like if you stand there in, in front of a mirror, I, so, somebody was doing an experiment, and I was watching in a video. You know, basically, if you're standing in front of the mirror and you hold up your right hand, you know, you, your image is actually holding up its left hand. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of crazy. It's interesting, man. It really is. So who knows? Maybe there's something to this stuff. Um, there's a, a this, when you see something like this. And it's mentioned so far back in history, and then it permeates every single culture, you know, on the planet. It makes you wonder if there's something to it. Yeah, well, I mean, I can't remember who made the quote, but it was something along the lines of, you know, there's no difference in technology and sorcery. Just that it's a matter of whether or not you know its origin or not. And That's a good point. You know, uh, the way these mirrors have been long thought to be magic or, you know, some sort of portal to another dimension or realm i mean look at our technology today we got that just like we talked about on the last episode the james webb telescope any sort of modern camera i mean mirrors are huge in like major parts of our technology like cutting edge stuff lasers mirrors every, are still every being used facet of optics exactly every facet of optics uses mirrors exactly so i mean they kind of are magic yeah the telescope you had when you were a kid kaleidoscopes i remember having a kaleidoscope when i was a kid it's just huge you know it's it's used in every facet of optics pretty much yeah. So, I mean, along those lines, there's there may be other uses we find for mirrors that we don't even know about yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something this time stuff that I don't quite understand because I'm not a particle physicist. Maybe they're on to something <laughs> that uh, it'll make a lot of sense here in the near future. Who knows? Yeah, well, Kazarev thought that time was sort of kind of like, not like light, but, you know, light is, a, is an energy, right? So he kind of thought time was an energy too. That's why he thought he could affect it by putting people in that mirrored room. And, um, you know, he, what he's trying to say is it's not how we imagine it to be. It's, it can dilate, it can expand. And, you know, we talk about that all the time. How many times have you been sitting there during a day and going, God, this day is dragging ass. Right. And then other days it just snap, 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 snap. Right. Like it goes so fast and, you know, maybe that's just a different way it flows that day. But yeah, I mean, he was basically saying that it's not consistent, maybe onto something. And I find the, the wormhole thing absolutely fascinating. I mean, you know, not take away the deep understanding of it. I mean, it's just that like, okay, you know, somehow just a mirror can hold these wormholes open. Yeah. You know, and it, it affects time. I mean, that that's insane. So yeah, there's definitely something to this mirror thing, and um, there certainly is a lot of uh, lure 
and a lot of legends. God, you were talking about it earlier today with me, and if if we talked about haunted mirror stories, we'd be here forever. Yeah, that's how the that's what the episode was supposed <laughs> to be. Matter of fact, it was last week we were going to do a side segment on this haunted mirror that supposedly came out of Pennsylvania, but end up going to Connecticut. But it's the like yeah. North Jersey haunted mirror for some reason. Anyway, it was the story yeah, we were trying reason, to figure it's out. The New Jersey, yeah, <laughs> and it was yeah, it's supposedly a New Jersey haunted mirror, but it seems to originate in Pennsylvania. Yeah, you know, with a guy doing kind of crazy rituals with it and things of that nature, and then it winds up with the um, the Warrens. Oh God, what are their names? Yeah. The Warrens and Lorraine, and it winds up in their museum. Yeah, and it's still there, but yeah, that was that was a wild story. It was just kind of off topic from what we were talking about because we were on the piracy last week. And, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it was just so far from that subject, we just decided to do a whole show about it. But then we started looking up haunted mirrors. And I tell you, there's <laughs> literally, there's no shortage of stories for haunted mirrors. I mean, even if you think about it, like yeah. any, whatever, what's the latest haunting horror movie you've seen? I guarantee there's a scene in that movie where something comes out of a mirror or something moves in a mirror. It's just, it's a trope. It's true. It's, it's mirrors are spooky man and there's so many stories yeah. out there and what we were gonna do was just a hey we'll do a haunted mirror episode but it, it just it, we did it's just too much out there yeah yeah it's, it's way too much yeah well how about how many times have you like you know glanced in the mirror quickly and thought you saw something uh quite a few times i mean yeah for me it has to be in the dozens you know where i thought i saw something odd or something crazy yeah you know, in a mirror. Absolutely. Yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah, one other story that I did want to talk about before we talk a little bit about the rituals that we're going to do. I was looking up the Velisca axe murders. Um, and when we're talking about the haunted mirrors and the craziness that surrounds mirrors and mirrors possibly, you know, being a portal for something. The Velisca axe murders were in 1912, right? And basically it's in Iowa and eight people get killed and they get killed via axe. But was what was interesting about go, that... Be- Hell of a way to go. Yeah. <laughs> so what was interesting about that is there was no shortage of sub, you know suspects. And literally the bodies were discovered the next day. There was physical evidence. Uh, there was a bowl of water that had blood in it. Of course, we didn't have DNA back then. Um, but there was fingerprinting around. So apparently this person was trying to, you know, wash off as many of the fingerprints, you know, as he could and things of that nature. And the bottom line is they never found out who did the Velisca axe murders. There was one of the suspects was tried twice. One time was a hung jury. The other time it was, he was acquitted. Okay. That's a gentleman by the name of Mansfield. But one of the weird things about that murder is that the killer covered up all the faces of the victims And then he also went around the house and covered up every reflective surface that was in the house. He covered up all the mirrors, anything that was possibly reflective, the silver, he put it away or covered it up, everything. So pretty bizarre. What makes, yeah. And what makes that weird was that in 1911, um, there was a series of murders of people of mixed race that went on down in the Texas and Louisiana area. And to the tune of about 48 people were killed, murdered with axes. Jesus. And, yeah, and in both the Velisca cases and all the cases down in Texas and Louisiana, same thing, cover up the faces, cover up the mirrors. Um, The other thing that the killer did was he took uh, the glass off of a hurricane lamp and would put that down where he found it and then light the lamp and take it into the different rooms to have low lights so that it can attack people. But not once, except for one time in Texas, did anybody wake up. No kidding. Now think about that. There are multiple victims killed in the house. They're killed with axes, and nobody wakes up. Nobody hears this. Nobody wakes up, except for in one case where he was in a house with a woman who was just you know, just by herself, and he went to kill her and missed and hit her in the arm. <laughs> so, he, you know, he, he chops into her arm with the axe and he panics and runs and leaves the house. So she's the only one that survived. Um, but fast forward and you go to Velisca, you've got the same set of circumstances. Nobody gets up. So you've got 40, 
48, I think it was 48 people, you know, in Louisiana and Texas who never wake up, literally never wake up. Right. So they don't, they don't wake up during it and they don't wake up at all because they get their, their head bashed in. And these are violent crimes. He hit in the Velisca case, he hit the father 30 times in the head with an ax. Now think about that 30 times. Yeah. Right. So, so we don't know how he went about doing it, but you know, did he hit him once and then come back and hit him the other 29 times? And in each case, there's this glass down, you know, off of the lamp, the lighting of the lamp and the mirrors covered. the covering up of the mirrors, the covering up of the faces. And then it actually extended to two other cases a little bit later on in 1912. One is in Illinois and one is in another state. And, this Mansfield character, his, I think his in-laws and his wife get killed this way. What? <laughs> yeah. But he once again wiggles out of it because he was supposedly employed at the time a couple hundred miles away. Whole thing is bizarre. And it almost, it's very ritualistic if you think about it. Yeah, it definitely you know? is. Like, it's, it's very ritualistic. And, you know, sure, a lot of serial killers are. But, you know, even the ending it with, you know, his wife and his in-laws, let's just play devil's advocate and say it wasn't him. And it was just something coming in and out of the mirror. Yeah, it could be. Right? It could be. I mean, it's right. Or he was maybe summoning it or whatever. It's just crazy. And actually, you know, we talk about axe murders. There were so many of them back then. Everybody thinks about Lizzie Borden and all that other good stuff. It's just because that was the household item that everybody had. Everybody had fireplaces. Yeah. And that was just something you needed around the house. It was just like having a kitchen knife. I thought that was fascinating. So if you get a chance, guys, read into that. The Velisca axe murders. Uh, the other ones I think are called the mulatto murders of 1911. So you can look into those and, um, yeah, you can still visit the house to this day in Iowa and hear all about those ax murders. And it's the oldest cold case in Iowa. Wow. (laughs) I wonder if they kept any physical evidence and they'd be able to do familial DNA now. Right. Yeah. That, that would be interesting. I'm sure they did. Let's just say there's a mirror. They didn't keep it. And one of these uh, cold case investigators just pulls it out. And what do you know? It starts happening again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Wouldn't that be crazy? But yeah, I thought that had a real supernatural tinge to it at the end there. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Yeah, that's bizarre. So, yeah. So we decided that we were going to do some mirror rituals. And um, I went to bed last night and I woke up to your text message. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) because you had done yours last night and I'm still going to do mine. So we'll have to just play that at the end and maybe I'll do a little summation on it. But I woke up to your text and if you don't mind me reading, um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, let me, I'm just, I don't so even remember what I wrote, man. It was heat of the moment. It's seven thirty. Yeah. It's seven thirty my time. And you wrote, I am fucking shook. I can't do this for uh, another half hour. I'll report in the morning. (laughs) So what you should be hearing right now is an actual recording of my ritual. I did bring a Zoom H1N hand mic into the bathroom where I did the ritual and recorded it for about 35 to 40 minutes. And I was gonna just cut that down and give you guys the highlights. It's pretty much narrated the whole thing, what was going on while I was doing it. But fortunately, nothing crazy happened, so you didn't miss anything. I did try to get some EVPs. But let me just talk you through what I did. I went to my bathroom and I set up two mirrors, one to my left and one to my right. And I situated myself center between those two mirrors and had a candle lit. So what you should be seeing is just the two mirrors and your peripherals only if you're focusing on that candle. Now, I will say that part of the ritual that I did not do was have a fan at my back that would blow out the candle if I were to move out of the chair that I was sitting in. But I just couldn't fit a fan in the bathroom with me while I have this candle going. And I do have roommates, so if somebody came out, they would be pretty confused. And I did not explain to them what I was doing ahead of time. So I opted for no fan, shut the door, and I uh, pretty much lit the candle. And this was at 3 a.m. in the morning. That's the hour you're supposed to do it. And I was startled a couple times because 
we have cats and I heard them, but once I realized it was just cats, I kind of relaxed a little bit. About 30 minutes in, I don't know if I was, I didn't see or hear anything, but I did have a sense of dread. Can't explain that. And I heard a slight knock. It could have been anything, could have been the house, um, but just in that moment, it was enough to make me get up, blow out the candle, and step out of the bathroom. It felt strange, but in the moment, I needed to go outside, so I did, apparently that's what's supposed to conclude the ritual is actually leaving your house, which I didn't know that at the time, I actually found that out after the fact, but as soon as I got outside, I looked straight up, the northern lights were going crazy. And when I tell you, it's not supposed to happen this time of year in Alaska, but you can see it randomly. It, I guess it also depends on solar events, but I was unaware of it. There's going to be any northern light activity. And when I tell you, I've never seen it that vivid or directly overhead. When I'm talking about looking straight up, it was going crazy. Does that have anything to do with the ritual? Probably not, but it was it was worth noting here. So that's about the, the end of my experience. Again, I did have a chance to go over and actually listen to the file that I recorded, and I didn't catch any EVPs. Again, if I did, I would be upset, but I literally caught nothing. It was just me narrating what I was doing. That's that's the extent of my ritual. Like, so I, I got to tell you something now that you said that, that you just reminded me. Um, one of the things that happened at Kazarov's mirror experiments was every time they did an experiment and they had a lot of success, when they would go outside, they would report the Northern Lights right above. Shut up, man. For real? Yeah, I'm dead serious. What? Yeah, and I actually read that after you told me about your your Northern Light experience. It definitely Isn't that crazy? Happened, man. Well, that's radiation is what it is. It's basically radiation reflecting off the Earth. It's the sun's rays reflecting off the atmosphere. Golly. Is what the Northern Lights yeah. is. It's a, it's, it's a form of radiation. Have you seen Return of the Living Dead? Yeah. Okay, you remember when they started burning those zombies and then you could see the yes. cloud coming out of the crematorium? Yep. That's exactly what it looked like. Wow. Well, and well, here's the, you know, then I am looking at this Kazarov's thing about an hour before we came on the air and they talk about the Northern Lights. See, I didn't see that anywhere. That's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll have to send you the video where I, and I'll post it too for everybody to take a look at. So, you know, I mean, you get them up there, but you, you don't, you said it was really intense. It was intense. I'm used to looking at them at it. You know, I'm look, used to looking out at them, looking across towards the mountain ranges. I'm not used to looking straight up because it was directly overhead. And another thing wow. is we don't see them. I don't see them usually. I see them from work because I, I work in the control tower and I work nights. So it's it's easy for me to see them. Right. And when we do see them, right. it's usually late winter. So, you know, January, February time frame is when you really see them popping. Why they were out so right. hardcore, you know, last night was, is beyond me. I've never seen them this early in the year. Wow. And I have never seen them directly wow. overhead. It was bananas, That's man. That's crazy. <laughs> And then yeah. I'm just looking up at, at that and I'm like, golly, like, am I dreaming right now? Like, I'm, everything felt surreal anyway because I was just staring into a mirror in a dark bathroom for, you know, a half an hour until <laughs> I heard right. knocking, decided right. to get the hell out of there. And then, you know, I go out, <laughs> you know, to try to gather myself. I walk, you know, look straight up and see that. So I think what I'll do for mine is I'll do some kind of conjuring ritual by candlelight because I think if I can do a conjuring ritual with two mirrors, which is basically what I have. So candlelight and two mirrors I can do. And then one thing too, before we do that, I wanted to just reach out to everybody out there and, and say, hey, if you got some mirror stories or something that's happened crazy, you know, with a mirror, we'd love to hear about it. You know, write us, drop us a line, wickedgardenpodcast at gmail.com, you know, or hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Garden Wicked. He's at underscore Moblin. Uh, you know, talk to us and tell us your, your mirror yeah. stories. We'd love to hear them, Heck even if they're yeah. haunted mirror stories. Exactly. If, yeah, if it's spooky absolutely. because we didn't cover any doesn't mean we're not interested like we want to hear your guys stories we'd love to hear your mirror stories um so i'm going to do my conjuring ritual and we'll put that in right here and here's what happened so for the ritual i performed it was called the two mirrors ritual and it's a conjuring ritual i'm not going to conjure anything and that's not something i'm going to do but anyway the way it works is you set up uh, a mirror behind you and there's a mirror in front of you and you sit in candlelight and you stare into the two mirrors. And ideally what's supposed to happen is in the mirror behind you, what you're conjuring is supposed to appear. So 
I sat there for probably about 12 minutes. Nothing happened. Spoiler alert. What happens, though, that's interesting is after about six or seven minutes, you were staring into the mirror and your features start to go away. So it's a little creepy looking. Um, and I think that's what scares people. Uh, that's probably why they get scared when they do this ritual. So that's kind of what goes on. And then at about 12 minutes, I just cut it short. So, so nothing really happened during the ritual. It was interesting. Um, they're fun to do. I don't know what would happen if you conjured during it, but I'm not going to do that. And then, uh, the only other thing I can say is that for like about three or four weeks, my life completely fell apart. <laughs> so I was in the hospital. Uh, there were things that weren't working, had problems with vehicles, appliances, even just light bulbs going out weirdly. So that, that went on for like a three week period afterwards. So uh, take what you will from that. And that was my ritual. After all the jets are in the boxes and the clowns all gone to bed You can hear happiness staggering on down the street Footprints dressed in red And the wind whispers very A broom is drearily Of the broken pieces of yesterday's life Somewhere a queen is weeping Somewhere a king has no wife And the wind, it cries very the way. 